Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. So I read something very troubling today about the war in Ukraine. It said last week in Poland, Poland said it would do everything to provide safe shelter for everyone who needs it. And that was fantastic. That's what we want to hear. These people are refugees. They are fleeing a war. They are fleeing an unprompted attack. That's what we want to hear for the Ukrainian people. But last year, Polish troops used tear gas and water cannons on migrants from countries like Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria. And Poland is not alone in this. Hungary and Slovakia also pulled uh, 180 on their treatment of refugees. This comes after reports that Nigerians and South Africans fleeing the war in Ukraine are being pushed to the back of the line. And I, too, have been reading reports that buses have been stopped at the border, um, literally saying no black and brown people into neighboring countries, as if the situation wasn't tragic enough. Now, black and brown people that are in Ukraine are being told they can't enter a neighboring country that's taking refugees, the same refugees that they're taking, except their skin color is different. I want to talk to Stephen Belton about this from the Twin Cities Urban League. Not that he's on the ground in Ukraine or not that he knows anything necessarily about this, but I bet he has the finger on the pulse of how black and brown people are being treated at the Ukrainian border. Uh, Stephen, are you reading about this issue as well? I am, and I'm not so sure that I have a finger on the pulse, but I definitely have an opinion. If you ask <laughs> we want that, too. The, yes. If you ask me about yeah. the best flavor of bubble gum, I'm going to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah I, go ahead, Paul. No, sorry, go ahead. Here. I'm waiting to hear about <laughs> bubble gum and, and what Jordana <laughs> just asked you. <laughs> well, my, my sense is that, once again, we're seeing – that uh, compassion is activated by melanin or is at least informed, you know, by pigment, by skin color. And um, it's shameful. It's shameful uh, when it happens individually, uh, when it happens, uh, you know, across uh, the aisle or across the pew. And it's shameful when it shows up in, in, in foreign policy or in domestic policy. And what I've been reading about is the same thing that you have, what you reported. Um, uh, Jordana, that, you know, the people at the uh, at the border who are trying to flee, who are in particular who are trying to get into Poland, which is the, apparently the country of choice, uh, for those who are fleeing, and it might be simply 
what's most accessible or what you know what they can get to by transportation or it might be the friendliest country that they're barring. Obviously, they're not going to try to get into Russia because they're afraid, you know, this horrendous thing that's going on in Russia. But everyone agrees that the attack, I should say most Westerners agree, that the attack that's happening, that uh, the violence that's being perpetrated by the Russians is horrendous. And it shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't be sort of balkanizing our response or our compassion about who is affected and who is entitled uh, to be and who is welcomed is really what it comes down to on the basis of skin color. And yet that is exactly what's happening. It doesn't surprise me. It is very disturbing nonetheless. Stephen, can, can I follow up and could you put your attorney hat on? I know you wear a lot of different hats and we appreciate that, but Speaking because I've um, got a big head as Paul. an attorney, as, <laughs> as a lawyer, well, <laughs> big, beautiful head. Okay. Uh, I'm just curious to get your feedback. Fiona Hill, I don't know if you remember Fiona Hill. She's a Russian expert. Uh, she served a number of administrations over multiple decades. And when she says something, people tend to listen. She said this Ukraine has become the front line in a struggle, not just between democracies in autocracies, but in a struggle for maintaining a rules-based system in which the things that countries want are not taken by force, a rules-based system. Why should every listener, why should every American care about the rule of law? Well, it, it, because it's what's on the other side of that, the alternative. If we don't care about the rule of law, what we are doing is agreeing to anarchy. And anarchy is, this, anarchy is a system where the powerful, uh, those who are well-resourced, win, and everybody else loses. Now, someone could argue that even under the rule of law, we have similar base winners and losers. But at least under the rule of law, we have a process and a means to be able to achieve and to be able to change the dynamics, even the sense of injustice that we may perceive in that system. Without rule of law, <clears throat> there is no structure to address injustice. It's simply the most powerful win. Uh, I'm concerned about this situation in in uh, Ukraine right now, uh, just as a human being, um, but also as a lawyer and as a pastor. I'm just concerned about it mostly from the humanistic level. But one of the troubling aspects of this is is that it appears that we are all up at arms now about this white country that is being brutalized by another white neighbor. But we don't show the same degree of compassion when we have refugees and when we have immigrants and when we have people who are fleeing violence uh, against them when it is coming out of uh, African nations, when it's coming out of brown nations, even when it's coming out of Afghanistan and uh, in other kinds of countries, in other countries where people have been fleeing violence, our sense of outrage over these things, again, appears to be dictated because we're looking across, and when I say we, the United States is looking across at the people of Ukraine and they're seeing blonde-haired, blue-eyed you know, people who look like them, who have white skin like them. And that's very disturbing. It doesn't change my sense of outrage, my sense of compassion, my sense of anger about what is happening. But at the same time, I'm very aware that there is a disproportionate sense of outrage over this because this is a white country. I uh, was talking with my rabbi today, and I said, you know, we were talking about this war in Ukraine and the anxiety that people are feeling. And he shared uh, a thought with me that helped me. And I want you to put your pastor hat on now because I'm going to ask uh, what you would 
what you would suggest to people as well, because, you know, we all feel very um, helpless when we look. Yes, we can give money and hopefully people are or, or time or, you know, trying to help navigate the uh, people getting back into this country or, or in, into our country or into another country to get out of Ukraine. But uh, my rabbi said, he said, when you feel um, anxious or stressed out or helpless, he said, make it, turn it into a prayer in that moment. Say a prayer. That will help you. That will give positive energy. It'll help calm you down, and it'll feel like you're doing something. And I, that thought really helped me today uh, when I am feeling rather helpless. Um, with your pastor hat on, what would be a thought that maybe you could share with us for um, for calm and peace? Yeah, I love that idea of turning it into a prayer. <clears throat> Excuse me, but there are many forms of prayer. Sometimes we pray on our knees and you know, head bowed, hands folded. Uh, but sometimes we pray by walking and by acting. And I think there is an action of prayer. There's a prayerful context for saying, I'm going to take a, a sign in, in March. That's going to be my form of prayer. Or I'm going to seal this envelope with my check inside and do that. That's going to be for, my form of prayer. A prayer really is only saying to your higher power, to your God, um, that you want to be in communion with whatever God's intent and whatever God's will is, whatever God's plan is for the best of ourselves. And, for, and by um, by being uh, penitent, by being uh, responsive in the moment, uh, and even moving into action, um, we can pray. I remember when I was youth pastoring for a number of years, I used to talk about and coach my kids to do walking prayers. And uh, and that's part of that is simply because, you know, you know, trying to get kids to, you know, who have the attention span of a gnat to focus on anything for a few seconds is a challenge. But if you can turn it into action where they can actually see their, you know, their, their, their faith becoming a form of action, I think is really important. And in this moment when I feel anxious, I really need to move around. I need to do something. I some of that is just literally walking up and down the lake or the river, but it is also about sort of moving from this sense of isolation, this sense of helplessness, into something to do what I can do. Frederick Douglass, praying for freedom never did me any good till I started praying with my feet. Thank you for reminding us of that quote today, Stephen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stephen Belton, you are amazing. You wore many hats, and you wore them all well today. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thanks, and uh, appreciate being with you. This is a tough time, Paul and Jordana. It's tough for everybody. and. We've got to be at our best selves in this moment and give each other grace. But at the same time, um, look across the water and uh, just have some compassion about everybody who's being impacted by this. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. I mean, he's right, Paul. I think we also um, underestimate what we are going through globally as a human race at this point. Um, of course, the people of Ukraine are physically suffering and they are getting the brunt of it right now. But there's a war and we are empathizing with that. Our hearts hopefully are open uh, to that. And there's a sense of helplessness. You know, not only is it a, a global pandemic, which we did not rise to our best selves at fighting over masks and being ridiculous, but hopefully this we can do a better job. But it is a lot of strain on the psyche and on the mental health of humanity as a whole. And mm-hmm. um, I, I feel the weight of that personally. And I hope other people are giving themselves a break, giving themselves some slack. If they're feeling a little stressed, if they're feeling anxious, there is reason to be. And it's okay to you know, cut yourself a break or, or have to turn off the news or take a break. 
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.